six, like you said, whether you're a dad, maybe a grandfather, an uncle, you want to bring just one of those little guys with you to, to have fun, but to grow in the Lord together, and it's going to be great. Pastor Jeff's going to be there. I'm going to be there with my boys. Uh, so we'll be hanging out with our sons, but we also want to hang out with you as well. So if you want to sign up for that, all the information is in your welcome program. Well, today we're uh, continuing in the Gospel of John. We started that a couple weeks ago, and today we're in John chapter 3. So if you want to go to John chapter 3, we're going to be in the first 16 verses or so this morning. And I want to tell you about an interaction with Jesus, whom I think you know who he is, but another guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus, uh, yeah, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a person who is part of what the Pharisees are known for, which is this religious leaders of the day. And he's also part of the Sanhedrin, which would have been like the supreme court for the Jews, and they're together, and they are enemies of Jesus. These two groups of people do not like him, do not like what he stands for, do not believe what Jesus has to say. But for Nicodemus, it's a little bit different because he starts to hear about Jesus, starts to interact with him, and thinks possibly that this guy should be the Messiah. That this guy could have been the promised one that he's been reading about and learning about in the scriptures. The problem, though, is he can't interact with Jesus because if he did, he'd be excommunicated from being a Pharisee and being part of the Sanhedrin. But he really wants to know, is this really him? And so instead of going in broad daylight and talking to Jesus, he sets up a meeting with Jesus at night. And I thought it would be really cool to see what that could have looked like back then. So we want to watch a scene from uh, a show called The Chosen. Maybe many of you have watched. I haven't watched all the episodes, but when I saw this episode, it really hit me hard. It's an interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus, an artistic portrayal of what possibly could have happened back at that time. So turn your attention to the screens. I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Right, shall we sit first? Oh, yes. Eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happens. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? 
a conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, and she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the Spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents. And they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about... Sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. When I met 
Lilith, Mary, that day. I told my wife and my students, I said, she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. And here you are. The healer. I, my whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. life to to give up who I am. It's true. There is a lot you would give up. But what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. Is this another one of your born-again mysteries? <laughs> uh, maybe. I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Think about it. Hmm? Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter. A powerful scene when somebody discovers that Jesus could be who he says he could be. 
And what we see at the end, Nicodemus starts to figure out that maybe Jesus is the Messiah. We see in John chapter 7, he publicly defends Jesus. Maybe he follows Jesus, maybe he doesn't. But what we do know is in that story, in that time, there would have been confusion. Confusion of what Jesus had to say. Think about it in John chapter 3. He puts it this way. I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. For Nicodemus, he was always taught that to be a follower of God, to inherit eternal life, you had to follow the scriptures to a T. You had to be born a Jew. That's what he thought going into his interaction with Jesus. And then Jesus says something completely different. He says, you must be born again. That has nothing to do with if you've done everything perfectly. It has nothing to do with how moral you are. It has nothing to do with what group you've been born in. It has to do with what God wants to do in your life. To have a relationship with God, to have eternal life, is to be born again. That word again simply means from above. Just like physically we were born down here, he's saying there must be another birth from up above that comes from God so that you can have a relationship with God, so you can have eternal life. Well, as we saw in The Chosen, Nicodemus gets so stuck on the born again part. He literally says, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's like, wait a minute here, Jesus. Like, what you're saying is not scientific, scientifically accurate. I can't go do that. But Jesus says, no, no, no. This is way different. It's something from God himself. And I know how confusing that would have been for Nicodemus, but I wonder how frustrating that would have been for him as well. Nicodemus was a scholar. If you had a question about God, you would go to Nicodemus. He had the answers. And now he was receiving different answers from Jesus. It's not about what you do. It's not about where you live or what group you were born into. He's finding out for the first time it comes from something different. It comes from God himself. I wonder for some of you in this room if that's how you feel too, the same way Nicodemus feels. The confusion. Because maybe you grew up thinking, look, if there is an afterlife and there's a God, I, I've been a really good person. I've been very moral. I've tried very hard. And I know at the end of this life, I've done everything I can. And that when I die, St. Peter will open the pearly gates and welcome me in. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. And maybe that leads to some frustration because you think to yourself, oh, I've never been taught this. I don't know what this born from above stuff actually means. And for Nicodemus and for us, Jesus, Jesus makes it abundantly clear. What does it look like to have eternal life? He says in the most famous verse in all of scripture, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You may have never picked up a Bible in your life. You may not even know what it says, but I guarantee you've heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Sometimes I read that verse and I think to myself, how, like, look how messed up this world is. Look how messed up I am. How could he love a world like this? How could he love me? And there are some people maybe in your life where you think you say you love me, but you don't show me that. You're all words. You don't back it up with any action. To love somebody means that you're going to show it. 
And to love someone truly is that you will sacrifice anything to show that person that you love them more than you even love yourself. For God to truly love, he must do something, and it must be attached to sacrifice because that's true love. Which is why it says he gave his one and only son. If you love somebody, you will sacrifice anything to make sure that they are okay. If you have kids or grandkids in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How much sleep you've lost as a parent. How much time that you've given to your children. How much money you've spent on your children. But you don't complain. Why don't you complain? Because you love them. And you would do whatever it takes to show your kids you love them. Even giving up yourself. That's what God does here. He can say it all he wants, but he has to show us, and he shows us by giving up his most precious, valuable thing in his life, which is his son. He literally allows his son to be born into this world, this messed up world. He lives a perfect life. And then he dies on the cross, taking on the world's sin, the world's shame, Guilt, death itself, and then he resurrects three days later, fulfilling the mission of coming down to show us how much he loves us to the point that he would come and rescue us. His love is attached to sacrifice. He's done everything for us. You couldn't ask of any more from God now. Now we play our part. For Jesus says, anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That word perish means you will not die for eternity. That when you die, you will actually live. You can have eternal life forever. You don't have to ever question it. Because Jesus came for us to give us this gift. It is wrapped right for us. All we have to do, Jesus says, is to believe. To believe isn't just a mental thing. It's to trust it, to accept it, to give your life to it. That's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, don't just believe what I'm saying, follow me. I have everything that you want, follow me, and you can have eternal life that begins here on this earth. See, that's what we celebrate in baptism. Someone that says, I want to follow Jesus. I believe what he has done for me. I've been born from above and now and now I wanna follow him for the rest of my life. If you are here today, and maybe you thought it was all about morality, or you thought it was all about church attendance, or you thought it was about being a good person, let me tell you, it is not, because you'll never be good enough. But Jesus is, and he says, I'm good enough for you, receive what I have for you. After the service, Pastor Jay and I will be up here. We would love to talk to you about what it means to be born from above again, so you know for certain that he will keep you for eternity. We got to celebrate that with three baptisms in the beginning of our service, and we're going to end by celebrating with three more. All right?